Welcome to this week's audio of I'm So Scared of Change. Get me out of here. This is from our online broadcast, the 23rd of August, 2020. Thanks for joining us on our online broadcast. Our theme this week is I'm so scared of change. Get me out of here. Well, even in thinking about that particular theme, we've had to embrace change ourselves. This week, week 23 of lockdown, it's the first week that we thought we were going to be able to trial something a little bit different through what we were calling Church on the Piazza. So there would have still been the online broadcast, but we were going to be doing the the teaching element of that through something outside, recording that earlier uh, in the week, with about 30 people present for an opportunity for them to be together. But because it was outside and the weather was awful, we've not been able to do that. So all best laid plans and everything else, we've suddenly had to change. That may well sound an easy thing, but it's meant a massive amount of work in terms of then (laughs) redoing what we had thought we were going to do. So I've suddenly had to embrace change. I've been a bit fearful and nervous about how this week is going to work. Hopefully, what we've got in store is going to be okay. There'll be a few fun things going on. There'll be a few interviews, which are always useful because real people are sharing about their own lives and their own given situations about the changes that they've had going on in their life, but also some of the changes that they're having to embrace with what they've got coming up in their lives as well. One of those people I'm going to chat to firstly, we had a conversation uh, via Zoom after Cafe Church uh, that we held recently. And it's with a guy by the name of Paul. Paul, over to you. Hi there, Paul. It's good to see you. How you doing? Hi. Oh, don't let me start again, please. Hi there, Paul. How are you doing? I'm good, Roger. Hi, yeah, I'm really good. How are you? I'm not doing too bad at all, especially as you're, I'm the one that's asking the questions and you're the one that's being interviewed. <laughs> so that's a lot That's a lot less scary for me. Paul, okay. uh, why don't you tell, because not everybody's going to know what you do for a job and stuff like that. What is it that you do uh, for a job and how's that worked out given the whole COVID thing in recent weeks? Okay, so I work as a care worker, but I work out in the community. Um, so instead of being stuck in one place working with care home, I go around to various people's houses and uh, meet people with their varying needs in a variety of different ways and, and go from house to house to house and, and do my job that way. And in terms of the, the COVID stuff, I mean, obviously there would probably be different things that you're having to do now, probably a bit scary at, at first. How's that kind of journey been for you? in terms of pressure and the changes you've had to adopt? Um, well, obviously there's been changes um, that we've all had to do, funny enough, in regards to PPE. And obviously there was a big thing about that in the media, you know, wearing various protection and things like that. Um, at first, I was quite concerned because clearly we were going to be expected to be sent to people with, you know, with it, with, with very basic uh, protective equipment. And I was quite concerned. Um, I was also concerned. 
concern because not so much was known about the virus at that time. Mm. We were getting this daily deluge of terrible figures and the end of the world and things like that in, in regards. And, and I had concerns as that's gone on and as we start to see, you know, what the actual rates of infection are and, you know, obviously that thankfully the greater majority of people do recover. Um, I've, I've become less concerned that, you know, it's a real thing, but, you know, it, it's not something that uh, it, it doesn't strike terror into me at the moment. How does your, your faith help you, Paul, both in terms of what you do job-wise, but also that sense of maybe, maybe dealing with change and, and dealing with some of those fears that you had? Um, I think faith often plays a big part in my job. Um, uh, I, I, I suppose I'm, I'm quite philosophical in regards to, you know, uh, let, let me be blunt, if, if, if something awful happened, I'm okay. Of course, I'm concerned for my wife, <laughs> my Tracy, for those of you who know her, Tracy. Um, and those, but actually, worst case scenario doesn't hold any fear for me anymore, which is a good thing. You, um, you mean it from an, like an eternal perspective? Yeah, from an eternal perspective. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I don't know. I, I also believe, you know, God is with us on a daily basis. And, and you know, it's, why, why wouldn't he maybe just walk with me, you know, through the difficult times? There's, there's no reason why I have to get it. It, it, it might sound a bit, um, you know, because, of course, good people and Christians still get ill. Yeah, yeah. But I, yeah. um, I, I do just also hold on to, you know, he's with me. Whatever's coming, he's with me. It's okay. So would that be something that you think would, would be a, a good thing to pass on to others that may well be struggling with some of the changes that's going on right now or a bit fearful? What would you say to them? Um, I, I think that, that is the thing. God is always with us. Um, it's there are, If I look back in my life, there are times when I've had bad, you know, been in a bad place and, and you would assume I could feel totally alone because I was sad and upset and everything seemed to be going wrong. But it's always been in those moments when you cry out. Before, yeah. as a Christian, you would cry out, you know, oh, why me? Now it's always, oh, God. And I'm, a, yeah. I'm aware he's there with me through it. And, yeah. and that's, it, it doesn't take away maybe what you're going through in the, in the immediate, but you're not alone. That's and, and really that's the, helpful. That's, yeah. the, the, what that's I, cool. I feel most. That's really helpful. Paul, thanks ever so much for being willing to share today. You take care. Thank Love you, Tracy. Much. Take care, buddy. Bye. Take care. See you soon, mate. Bye-bye. In Ghana, some years ago, they decided to change driving to being on the right. But this was the interesting thing that I read. They announced that the change would be made gradually. <laughs> when I read that, all sorts of things were going through my mind. If you're going to change to driving on the right, how do you bring about that change gradually? I got to thinking, were they going to kind of like say, okay, anybody who's got a birthday in January, uh, you guys can actually drive on the right, first of all, and everybody else on the left. We're going to bring about that change gradually. It just sounds like chaos written all over it, doesn't it? This week, we're going to be looking at a situation where there'd been no change at all for nearly 40 years. But then, 
there's an immediate change out of nowhere. Now whilst most of us would say that, well maybe we don't like change, we get that, I'm sure we would welcome a positive change after being in such a bad place for that length of time. One of the favourite programmes that I like to watch is a programme called Long Lost Family. I don't know if you've uh, uh, seen that with Davina McCall and Nikki Campbell that, uh, that host that. But on that programme, it's all about people who have not met certain family members or not seen family members for years and years and years. Sometimes, indeed, ever. Maybe people that have been foster care or have been adopted or, or got separated at birth for whatever reason. Maybe a mother and a daughter or a sister and a brother. And the way that program is pieced together is so incredibly powerful when after years and years there's then a sudden change, a sudden transformation. You get that, that sense of the power of family members being reunited. That kind of change is a really positive change to see. Imagine there's maybe a health issue that you've suffered with. Maybe something like IBS and you've suffered with that for nearly 40 years. Every day you awake and then the trouble starts. And, and one day, after all of that time, suddenly you don't end up suddenly after going to the loo anymore. That would be a welcome change, wouldn't it? Well, I've been maybe a little bit thin on top, as you can see, for many years. Not necessarily 40 years, although it does maybe uh, feel like it. But in the same way, if I was to wake up one morning and suddenly have this, this full head of hair, I think... Wow, I think that would be a positive change. I have to say maybe it would be a bit of a shock for me sleepy-eyed to actually go into the bathroom mirror. <gasps> what is that? But there are some changes that can be positive, aren't there? Change can be a good thing. But having said that at other times, let's be honest, we do struggle, don't we? A new phone, all those different things that you're having to, to get used to, that would certainly be a struggle for me. Maybe it's having to operate a different form of diet. That change can be very difficult. Maybe it's moving to a new house. A whole host of changes that come with that. Maybe it's moving to a new church home. And of course we've had to do that in the last couple of years as we've waited for 40 years to move to a new building and now we're not even allowed in it to do it. <laughs> but that whole change that we went through was really, really difficult. Changing how we're trying to do and to be church that has become quite a threat maybe for some people it's not an easy change to absorb or to accept but we're doing the best we can coronavirus has brought about a whole host of changes and who knows there may well be more yet still to come we can feel that sense of insecurity bubbling up within it within each of us uh, around different things that we're uncomfortable with Maybe you can think back to that first time that you're all masked up to go into the supermarket and seeing everybody else wearing a mask. And that was maybe quite unsettling as to what that looked like and felt like. We're having to behave very differently. Some of us who would love to be giving uh, one another hugs are no longer able to do that. We're no longer able to see the people that we were used to seeing, certainly not in the same way. I'm so scared of change. Get me out of here. That is our theme for today. And given the season that we're in, it's probably a theme that is relevant for each and every one of us. 
changes that we've had to make thus far, but maybe even the fears of what changes might still be lurking around the corner. Isn't it great that we worship a God who himself is completely changeless? We're going to worship him now in song. The song is called Breathe. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me.
as we just saw broken before. Or tap and glass makes it safer. How tough is tap and glass? Right, you know, I'll show, this is a piece of tap and glass, I'll show you with this hand. Go on. The reading is taken from John chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralysed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. As Caroline was reading this passage, she was showing us a, a video. The man was cured. So try to picture this in your own mind as this guy's feet and legs and limbs suddenly were brought to life again. Imagine what he felt, the changes that were occurring in his body. He picked up his mat. and walked. Interestingly, no faith or gratitude expressed though. What must have been going through his mind? We'll never know. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath and so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something else may happen, worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. Thursday night. 
Well, I quite like quizzes, although I have to confess I'm not really very good at them. Uh, you know, if we've had uh, quiz nights at church, everybody is wanting to be on David Holman's team because that's the way that you're guaranteed to win. Uh, but, you know, we can't all be on David's side, uh, unfortunately. Sometimes, though, with this, this quiz on a Thursday night, it's not even a question that, that, I, that I don't know the answer, but it's that I don't even understand the question. I need somebody to uh, explain what exactly the question is all about before I can even think about what the answer is. And you, start, you know, sometimes when we actually hear a story from the Bible, we've, we've heard the narrative or we've read it, then there's maybe not just a, a lack of understanding of what the, the message is all about, but we struggle to know what may well be going on behind that passage as well. So, for example, that passage that we've been looking at uh, today, you may well already have some questions from that. It may well be, well, which festival was going on? What are these things called colonnades. Why did Jesus choose to heal that particular individual and not somebody else down the road? Why did he seem to ask such a stupid question of the guy in question? Why didn't the man even ask, uh, answer the question? And what's the issue all about in terms of carrying his man and this thing about the Lord's Day? What's all that about? Why did the man have to then go to the temple? What's all that about? And what's the worst thing, or something worse, that could have indeed actually happened to that man? Uh, that maybe his being a cripple in the first place. A whole host of questions are there if we think about the passage that was read to us. Well, far be it from me to seek to unpack any of that. But Professor Terence of Planbury Theological Seminary explains some of the crucial background to this particular passage. Over to the Professor. Well, well few of us have experienced lives quite like this one man, to, to be sure, uh, sat by a, a pool that archaeologists uh, have indeed discovered that the Sheep Gate uh, still stands uh, today, so called because the shepherds would drive uh, their, their sheep uh, it, uh, it, into Jerusalem through the gate and over to the pool where they would then be washed before being taken to the temple uh, for sacrifice. Uh, not, not very pleasant, uh, obviously, to describe in finite uh, detail. Uh, and I know there may well, of course, be, be children uh, listening in, maybe the likes of uh, Hazel or Molly or Lois or uh, Rupert, uh, for example. Well, hello uh, to all of them. Uh, and the pool of Bethesda uh, was fed by an underground uh, spring. Uh, and when this overflowed, it would bubble up uh, from beneath, causing a disturbance in the waters uh, uh, above. Uh, in Jesus' day, people believed that the rippling of the waters uh, was caused by the, the, the fluttering of angels' wings, a flutter, uh, flutter, flutter, uh, uh, and that the first person to enter the turbulent waters uh, would then be cured. Uh, nonsense, uh, of course, would, would, would obviously be, uh, be the case. Uh, but nonetheless, it was a strongly held conviction of the day. Uh, and, uh, and to appreciate the context uh, helps our understanding of what, what's actually going on uh, in, the, in the text uh, here. Um, if, of course, we're ever tempted uh, to think that God's healing uh, depends on the quality or quantity of a person's faith, uh, well, this this passage offers a very strong uh, corrective. Uh, the man whom Jesus heals shows 
no sign of faith uh, in Jesus or of gratitude for what Jesus has actually uh, done for him. Uh, what a loser, uh, <laughs> one might say. Um, when confronted by the religious authorities about carrying uh, his mat on the Sabbath, uh, he deflects the blame uh, to the man who healed him, uh, whose name he's not even been bothered, it would appear to learn, uh, absolutely incredulous. Uh, when he meets Jesus again and learns his name, he immediately tells the authorities the identity of the man they seek. Uh, well, we would imagine that the man is... Uh, is this maybe thinking that, uh, uh, that maybe if the authorities go after Jesus, then they'll leave him well alone? I mean, it strikes me to be even more incredulous. Uh, he was the most undeserving uh, of his healing. Uh, like we, of course, are most undeserving of indeed our forgiveness. Let's not forget that. Uh, the, the, re, uh, the religious authorities, uh, they're convinced that Jesus is a sinner because he heals on the Sabbath. From the perspective, though, of John's Gospel, however, unbelief is the fundamental sin, worse than anything else in God's eyes. Uh, it is actually the rejection of the one sent by God. People really uh, consider that uh, today quite poignant, uh, I, I feel, uh, worth sharing and reflecting upon. Uh, John's Gospel does not answer the question of why some people uh, do uh, apparently uh, receive their healing and others uh, do not. But the passage makes it clear that healing is not a matter of having enough faith, uh, as if that could actually be measured uh, by, by, by ourselves anyway. Uh, that, that's simply not the way that Jesus operates, David. Thank you there, uh, Professor uh, Terence. You know, here sits an invalid who has been in this state, in this place, for 38 years. That's a long time to be suffering with that condition. But he's been here with no state support, seemingly no friends, as far as we could gather, no purpose, no hope. It's difficult to perceive what his life must have felt like. I wonder if you've ever felt that alone yourself. There are certainly those people around, aren't there? Maybe you know someone. People often go to where they know that they can get help or spend time with others who they now have little going for them. Sadly, because of this guy's condition, he would only see others have the chance to get healed because he couldn't actually get himself into the water. And his parents may be taken in there when he was younger and they just kind of dropped him off there. And they got into that routine of dropping him off and then maybe collecting him at some, some time later. We don't know. Maybe this guy's got into a routine and a habit of just never expecting anything to be any different. Never expecting there to be any change whatsoever. Now a man, he was alone. It's all quite pitiful, isn't it? That sense of the, the sight at that pool of people like him, maybe the blind, the lame, the crippled, just there, nothing going for them at all whole host of individuals just sat, downcast, dispirited, downhearted, depressed. Maybe we can think of others that would be suffering in a similar way. Not maybe uh, necessarily a physical uh, attribute like, 
like this guy doesn't need to be that to be in that place, does it? Maybe for some individuals it's because they're homeless. Maybe for some individuals it could even be because they're without a partner, not married. It could well be somebody who's unemployed or maybe now has lost their job because of COVID. It could be somebody who has got a job but they are so intense about their work that actually their issue is the whole sense of their being a workaholic. It may well be somebody that's struggling with something that rhymes with that and they're an alcoholic. It may well be someone who's struggling with debt or they're childless or they feel overweight or depressed or bitter or there's an issue from the past. All those kind of things can really hinder us, can't we? Maybe we're scared if we're in one of those places of there being no change at all or maybe even scared of how change might possibly take place. Sometimes we're maybe just scared of all the current changes that we're seeing occurring going around uh, us at this moment in time, aren't we? Maybe for each of us there's that sense of an awareness, of a need from someone from outside to bring about a positive difference and a change for the better that we need in our own lives. Our next song very specifically reflects that. It's called, I Need You Now. So maybe reflect on where you're at, on where you're sat as we worship God together. Bring all that you are, whatever those struggles, whatever our fears, particularly fears of change, bring them to him. As we say, God, I need you. You are calling 
John for leading us in prayer picking up on that change that's possible if we open ourselves okay, to God. Okay we're um, actually asking you these questions on the day before you're due to get your GCSE yeah. results. Yeah. How are you feeling about that? Um, well I'm feeling <laughs> well I'm, I'm always a little bit anxious but I'm all... it's, it's more that I am uh, wondering I guess what they're going to be. I'm curious. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I'm fearful because I don't really have. Well, I, I have things to fear about, like what if I'm not going to qualify for my A level, things like that. But I know that things will always turn out okay. Like in the future, like things are going to be things are going to be fine. I'm not going to die just because I don't I don't get the grades I want. And you know, I I kind of come to peace with that. Not, not that you 
move better dramatically. <laughs> like that Obviously, the way that results are being dictated this year is a, a little bit different. You mm-hmm. know, had to sit tests and exams and stuff like that. Yeah. How have you felt, or how have your mates felt about this whole thing of you know somebody else in, in essence choosing what grades you're going to get? Because that's a change, isn't it, as well? Mm, well, uh, people are always people are always worrying. Uh, like are, are my are my teachers are my teachers going to grade me the way I want? Are my predicted gonna gonna be okay? Uh, I think that they're they're worrying a bit too much because they have pressure on them, maybe from their parents, maybe from their own sort of expectations. But I kind of just let that fall into God's hands and sort of just let that uh, let that nervousness be melted away and just. That's really good. Yeah. That's an interesting interesting phrase about leaving that in God's hands. What does that mean for you in reality? Well, for me that means uh, because he he loves he loves every one of us and he loves us more than anyone else can on on this world. And I think that means that he he's like a he's like a parent to us. But like a nurturing understanding holds no contempt or expectations yeah. for us. He he wants us to do our best and he knows that our best is enough. And I just feel like I can I can be I, I I'm not chained down by expectations. Uh I'm just I'm just I'm just free. Like like a feather really. Free like a feather. Yes. Oh, that's an interesting phrase. <laughs> well, let's say you get do get the grades that you want to get. Otherwise, you may well find that you're going to get chained down. You never know. <laughs> okay, you're going to then go back to do A-levels. And that's going to be probably different in a school environment with this whole uh, thing of people being in their bubbles and stuff yeah. like that. It's another change. How do you feel about that? Well, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a bit... Uh, well, it, it's, it's sad, really, that... We, we we will be separate, but it's understandable because all the health risks and everything. But I, I it's it's just going to become more impersonal, um, and you can't really make connections with other people, which is sad. But it's 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 necessary, and uh, I I'm comfortable by myself really. But it's also so you're not afraid uh, yourself at all because what you alluded to about your your faith. Oh yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not afraid about anything. It, it's. It, I guess. It, I guess it sort of makes me feel safe, really, because they're they're, they're having these precautions in place. But um, you know, it, it's just a bit sad that these precautions have to be in place. But it's understandable. Yeah, and I, I've come to down to them. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. What A levels are you planning on taking? Uh, well, I'm only doing one A level. That's in psychology. But I'm doing uh, two B which are like special courses in food. Food science and um, drama, theatre arts, theatre studies. Yeah. That's completely confusing. <laughs> I wish I never asked the question, but thanks for everything you shared. That's brilliant. Cheers, Leo. It's great to hear from from Leo about the different changes that he's got and uh, coming up in his own world as well. Back to our passage. Jesus finds out all about this man. No idea why him or why not others. Imagine being in prison and seeing one person be set free while the rest of you have to stay locked up. We often kind of compare, don't we? Why that person but not that person? 
Why them and not me? Well, this man was no more deserving a miracle than anyone else. But God chose to act in this one person's life on this particular occasion at this particular time. We sometimes hear a phrase that's used that God is sovereign and we need to let God be God. We're not. Sometimes if we dare, we would dare to question God as to why that might be. It may well be that we have to put up with a reply of silence at times. It's not for us to reason why God does and doesn't do certain things at certain different times. Then we've got quite a, quite a bizarre question that strikes me in verse 6. It seems quite, not just a bizarre question, but it's a stupid question on the face of it when you read it the first time. When Jesus says to this guy, he's been a cripple for 38 years, do you want to get well? Uh, what a bad question. But have a think about it. Whilst it might look on the face of it, a kind of bizarre question, I've discovered that not everyone does want to get well. Not everyone wants to help themselves. Not everyone wants to change. Not everyone wants to see things move on from the place that they are in at that time. And for some people have been for years. Not everyone wants to have or adopt a more positive attitude. Not everyone wants to make a decision to choose to encourage others. They'd rather stay in the same place as they've been for years. Well, this is who I am. Is too often maybe what people might confess. The cost of change can for some be too great. What about this man here? Well, he offers no answer at all. He's not got any faith, or it doesn't look as if he has. He doesn't know who Jesus is, but at that moment, he receives an incredible supernatural touch. And everything then is going to change. That's what occurs when anybody has a supernatural touch from God. That's possible. It may well be that God, this day, as you watch this, wants to touch you in a way that you couldn't have foreseen would have occurred. Be open to that. Crave that. Ask him for that. Whilst it's dangerous to make a theology out of this, what we can conclude is what we see here is a God of grace, choosing to act as he is choosing to act. To those who've neither earned nor deserved his grace. And for people who've neither earned nor deserved that sense of God working in their lives, I think we can include the likes of you and me in that as well. We're no better nor any worse, are we, than anybody else. What happens next is Jesus is a bit abrupt, a bit blunt. He says, hey, get up, pick up your mat and walk. What did the man do? Exactly that. What courage? And we're going to think about some of the elements of the courage that took place in that guy's life at that very moment and following. But first, I had a chat with somebody who's had to show courage in their own life. This is a chat I had earlier with Charlene. 
Charlene, I, I know that, uh, thanks especially for being willing to ask her a few questions. You look as if you're just about to be interrogated. <laughs> it's going to be okay. Now, this whole uh, subject of, of change, you mentioned that that's been really quite difficult uh, for yourself. T- tell us why change is really quite difficult for yourself to cope with. Um, well, I have Asperger's. Uh, females present different to males, so it's difficult to sort of notice until you're much older. Um, so change is difficult for me because every day, the night before, I worry about everything, all the scenarios and what could happen and how I could sort of cope with things. So everything is, I have to overthink everything. And so God really helps with that because I think he'll be, he'll be looking after me so I don't have to worry too much. But it does kick in and when you're tired especially, you worry more. Um, but you can't control the future. And I think the sooner you realise that, the better. <laughs> and tell us, that's, that's really helpful. Tell us what was it from Jeremiah that helped you and something that has brought to life that sense of God being there for you. Yeah, I mean, I love the Bible because it is a living word and God speaks to you. He takes that worry away. Um, and I, I sometimes call it the yellow pages. Like, God talk to me and I open it and he does speak to me. And Jeremiah says that, he promised you a future and he want, does not want to harm you. He wants to do something good for your future and uh, something that's you know, positive. So if he promises that, then why can I not believe that? Yeah, despite the Asperger's. Yes. Now in terms of change, uh, you're, you work in, in, in the care work uh, and stuff like that where there's also a whole host of different changes that's going on at the moment. Fears maybe for you in that context. Fears for the people that you seek to support, your work colleagues. How have others embraced change and, and how is that panning out? Well, we've all found it really difficult because uh, there's always the routines and policies and procedures and all of that has changed. So stuff that was habit has mm. now have to be unlearned and a new thing has to be learned. Um, and also the fact that you're always wearing things, you can't express how you feel. If you have a bad day, you can't be comforted. You can't give a colleague a hug. Yeah. You can't give a person we support a hug. They're not allowed to see their families or, you know, have comfort, physical contact, reassurance. All that was taken away and everything new had to be learned. Yeah. So it's a massive change of all the old that was out and all the new was in and, and changing day by day with uh, government sort of sending emails and, you know, the, the employers sending emails of this is what this week is going to be. Could be changing next week. <laughs> the only thing that's here to stay is change. It's yes. probably the case. Yeah. So one final question. How do you deal with that as a Christian, with change coming your way or change all about you? I think the Lord came down as flesh to change things. So if he stands for that, I need to stand for change. Um, and I need to physically contribute to that change that he wants to, to take, you know, want me to making my life, I need to pick up that mat daily and say, okay, Lord, what are we doing today? Um, it is difficult, but you just have to... It's a faith trust, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so that passage today has been quite real yes, it has, because of all the OCDs, you need to let go of those things um, and just be like... I think the Lord's like saying you have to be like a child. Your faith needs to be like yeah. a child. A child doesn't worry where the next meal's coming from. A child will look, jump off the sofa and just will know that daddy will catch them. Yeah. <laughs> it's that sort of faith that no matter what, you just have to go for it. <laughs> that's, <laughs> for really, change. that's really great. Thanks so much for being willing to share with that.
at this point we then showed a little video clip called The Seed. Difficult to fully appreciate with not being able to see the video, I know. But just picture that seed as it's watered and picture that, that seed changing from what was once just a seed, that small tiny seed, that then becomes a seedling, then that seedling, over time, has that dramatic sense of change to then become what it was intended to be through growth. Who's the one behind such a massive change? And sometimes there's a tension 
We're needing to think that through again, I believe, with all the, the increased restrictions that there are over COVID and us wanting to make sure that we're following and adhering to the law. But what is God saying in the midst of all that? And as a church, as we seek to get that balance right, it's important that we don't go so far down one way or the other that we don't kind of reflect what the other may well be saying. Sometimes it's possible for us to say, well, we're, we're a people that's only going to be interested about what we believe God is saying. And then we maybe ignore what the legal guidelines have been given by government. That would be inappropriate. But if we're not careful, we could also run the risk of getting so focused on minutiae of detail and doing every absolute little bit and piece, bits and pieces right that we're missing what maybe the Spirit of God is saying to us in the midst of that. One ear maybe on government guidelines. One ear as to what the Spirit of God is leading us to say and to do. And somehow we need his help to bring the two together. This guy also had courage to break the routine. This man had been uh, accustomed to the same routine for 38 years. That is a long time. It got him absolutely nowhere. But there was a comfort in what he knew. And maybe we can identify with that. Because we're creatures of habit, aren't we? Churches probably more than any organisation when asked why things are done in a particular way are often forced to respond with uh, well, because that's how it's always been done. Too often we simply rehearse old prejudices and replay thoughts and opinions that have been forged maybe years ago without first checking to see whether or not those opinions and thoughts are still valid. Think particularly about the season that we're in now. Week 23 of lockdown. Now we're a church that would say of itself, the church is the people. We're a church that would seek to say, well we want to operate 24-7 with our building here being used morning, noon and night. And yet ironically the same people group have repeatedly been saying to me in different shapes or forms, oh, I can't wait for us to be able to get back together uh, at the church. What do they mean? I've discovered that what people mean is for a Sunday morning service. Despite us speaking about church being 24-7, despite us speaking about church being the people, in reality, our DNA is so entrenched with church being wrapped up with something that occurs for a set limited amount of time on a Sunday morning that we still revert back to that being seen as church. Covid has forced us to break out of that, to rethink what church really is. Here is a guy who had the courage to break the routine. Have you? Have I? Yes, we're doing our online broadcast, but are there other ways that we can see to explore what it means to be the people of God together? That takes courage. This guy also had courage to make himself Vulnerable. Wow, that takes a lot of courage. We read in John chapter 5 that he went to worship. Well, why did he do that? Maybe he'd gone to find the, the healer, the guy who'd healed him. Maybe it was to give thanks to God. Both of that would have been very reasonable. 
But imagine all the looks, the comments, the attention that this guy would have got. Previously, he would have been somebody that nobody would have wanted to have anything to do with. Been, that such focus would have been so hard after 38 years of being ignored. And suddenly here he is within a public domain amidst all the vulnerability that he was carrying. And yet he was prepared to do that. That takes an incredible amount of courage. He's so vulnerable. And yet it's often when we're in that place that God chooses to meet us. Maybe there's a lesson there in our choosing to let down our guard to make ourselves vulnerable before God. Or maybe there's something that we ought and should and would benefit from sharing with a friend because there's an element of help or support we need in the now. And yet we've been keeping things locked away to ourselves. Choose to make yourself vulnerable to someone that you know or trust that you feel could give you a listening ear or even more. But certainly before the God who's there, audience at any time of day or night. When Jesus sees this guy, he issues him a warning that he needs to be careful because otherwise something worse than how he was before could happen to him. Well, what could be worse than being a cripple for 38 years, we may well ask. Well, I guess eternity in hell for starters. And if you want some of the background for that, maybe have a read of Luke chapter 12 and Luke chapter 13. For any of us who feel a sense of feeling imprisoned in some way, particularly if it's a health issue, we would do well to ask God first if there's anything within each of us that would need to be dealt with first. That's important. When we think passages like 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 11, James chapter 5, it expresses there an importance uh, there, uh, there of us dealing with that which we need to deal with first before then moving on. Well, courage. I hope that you've got the courage to embrace change. Psalm 61. Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer from the end of the earth. I caught you when my heart... <laughs> In terms of embracing change, a family that have sought to do that are Bruce and V and Jazz Westgate. As they've uh, gone to Abu Dhabi, they've arrived, but Bruce has assured us he's going to stay in touch. You never know quite what you're going to get with Bruce. This is what he sent us this week. Inspired by all my Facebook friends who are doing these amazing um, press-up challenges, off of charity, really good causes, I felt sorry for people like myself who are not quite so healthy and, and uh, you know, buff. So um, to help those of us that you like me, uh, who maybe find this a bit more of a challenge, I thought I give you some top tips about uh, doing press-up challenges uh, and to make it more interesting. I thought I'd do my shorts for you today just to make you feel more comfortable. So for starters, the most important thing is to get yourself in the right position. Nice, uh, healthy, rigid body in a, in a plank form, arms shoulder width apart on the ground. Here we go. So let's get down into that, into that uh, position. Uh, head up. Okay, so head up, body straight, arms shoulder width apart, 
drop your body down to your chest hits the floor, keep your, your head, head forward and move it back up again. That's I it. hope you're trying these press-ups yourself. Two, try and keep a regular tempo. Three, four, and... Are you up to ten yet? Twelve. I'm going to... Sixteen. Keep it up. The same straight body all the time. Arms um, at right angles. Nineteen. Twenty. There you go. Let me know how you get on with your press-ups. I don't know how many you're able uh, to do. I'm not able to do that many at all. But now it's time for... Each week we have a variety of celebrations, very often that started as the birthday tonight, that waft of chocolate is amazing. Okay, some birthdays this week. Well, coming up on Wednesday, want to say happy birthday to Dennis, Dennis Manuel, that's Ratner's husband, so happy birthday Dennis for you, and there is a chocolate for you on Wednesday. On Thursday, you may well have seen this lady uh, before reading out some of her poems. It's Chris Llewellyn's birthday. So, Chris, happy birthday to you on Thursday. And another of our young people has a birthday on Saturday. That's a happy birthday to Carol Boxall. So, Carol, happy birthday to you as well. Now, as I've just put those chocolates down by one side, we had a couple of competitions recently, competition about naming the flower pot men. Now, some of you may well be old enough to remember Bill and Ben, the flower pot men. Well, this all started off from a, 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 a something that uh, these, a picture that we uh, put uh, forward for you that Rob and Mike saw when they were away uh, on holiday. Well, we've now got the winners of those uh, flower pot um, people uh, names you could see are and in terms of the competition we put up pictures of David Gloria and Wright tie their laces up together evidently nobody else in the church can tie their laces up because nobody submitted any video at all so so far it's the 16 seconds that it took me for for me to, uh, to actually uh, tie my own shoelaces up. So just in case, uh, I'm going to see if I could beat my own record. So countdown starts, round about now, go. This is my shoelace to see if I can beat my own record because the brilliant thing is, if I can beat my own record, there we go, job done. I think I think I hopefully have beat my record. Brilliant. If I have, then that wants chocolate. So that's great. I'm going to enjoy chocolate. As I enjoy this chocolate, I'm going to say, kids, are you ready? Because Laura has got a message for you, all to do with this subject of change. Oh, let's top the charts again. Now, can you remember last week we talked about this relating to a particular newsreader? Hear what he says. Listen to Andy Peters. Welcome back. That song by the police is one of the top ten most misheard songs. Uh, instead of hearing so lonely, uh, people miss him here so lonely. I reckon he's nicked that from our church broadcast. Hi, everybody. 
My name is Laura and I help to run the Community Kids group when we're at church on Sundays. So a special hello to all the Community Kids. Now today we've just been talking about being scared of change. Now I really think that is very relevant for probably lots of you at the moment. Seeing as in a few weeks you'll be going to your new class with your new teacher, maybe some new children, or you might even be going to a brand new school, which is a massive change. Even if you feel scared of that change, you really need to remember that God never changes. He always loves you, he's always with you, and he'll always be there to comfort you if you feel nervous in a new situation. And I really hope that you will remember that when you go into your new class or your new school in a few weeks' time. And I know that all of the people at church will be praying for you as you go through that change in a few weeks' time. Now, we've got a fun game that you could try about changing. And I hope that some of you would have a go and hopefully... It will bring some smiles to your faces. This is Rufino and Francis before they take on the challenge to change themselves. They have got to choose the weirdest combination of clothes that they can find in the house to change themselves into. Do you accept the challenge? Yeah! Three, two, one, go! we got here. You have changed incredibly. You look fantastic. What have you chosen? I have chosen a Spiderman glove, a American glove, this is best jumper, Francis opening shorts, Francis's bedtime sock, Dad's Hulk um, sock, bow tie and whatever this is called, uh, and a flowery Great changing. Francis, what have you chosen? Uh, uh, a weird hat. Mmm, amazing. <laughs> some sunglasses and a bow tie and a swimming thing. Yeah. <laughs> and. Nice shoes. And I've got ballet shoe. Uh, on a hot sock. in September and remember do not be afraid because God will be there with you. Well thank you once again Laura for that fantastic slot for community kids. Always very creative. I'm looking forward to seeing whether or not any of you have got the same courage of your convictions to dress up in similar fashion to Rupert and Francis. Maybe not. We've got time for one more uh, song together and this last song is called I Speak Jesus. 
I want to read to you some of the words of that particular song that we're going to be singing now. Because your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Burn like a fire. I want to speak the name of Jesus over fear and all anxiety to every soul held captive by depression. I speak Jesus. There's courage with which the songwriter has, uh, has penned those lyrics, isn't there? May it be that as we sing this song, we're able to embrace that same sense of courage. I'm so scared of change. Get me out of here. Rather, let's give that sense of fear of change and anything else that we're scared of to the God who's able to make a very real difference in our lives. Let's worship him in song together. Jesus, all my family. 
again for joining us and tuning in for our online broadcast. Trust that it's been helpful, that you've enjoyed it, it's made you smile and hopefully given you a few things to think about as well. I'm so scared of change. Get me out of here. That's been our theme. We know that this COVID season that we're all caught up in has led to there being many changes and not all have been easy for us to accept, let alone embrace. But we've got no choice. Many of these changes are indeed here to stay and we don't yet know what's around the corner. But with God, we should never have reason to fear. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world is what the Bible teaches. The key is to make sure and to know that we have got this God in us. We've looked today particularly at the focus on one man who struggled with a disability for 38 years. 
it may well be that you feel that's not relevant for you because you've not got a physical disability. What we do all have the potential for is to be stuck in the same place for a long period of time, to be restricted, to be inhibited, to kind of sometimes almost exclude ourselves from another world or from a part of our lives that God would actually want us to embrace. I wonder what God might be saying to you. Are there areas that you feel so stuck in that God is wanting to set you free from, to release you from? That's the challenge that comes from that passage in John chapter 5. What might he be saying to you and to me? We'd love to hear uh, your feedback. If you've got any questions about areas that you're struggling with, please do get in, in, in touch with us by contacting the church either by phone on 01305 26 7171 or through making contact direct on our homepage of our website. We would love to chat with you further. In the meantime, God bless you all. is a song to finish by Eric Clapton and it's got the whole theme of change in it as well enjoy if I can reach the stars pull one down for you shine on my heart so you can see you God's very best as you work through what your normal might well look like and also as you seek to maybe embrace change or think about those places that you may well feel stuck in what might God want to do in your life right now is there yet a sense of being broken out broken free from that place of being stuck that you and I may well be in God bless speak to you soon bye-bye